0: Okay. Whoa! Now the question is, will it stay? I'll tell you what, if it cuts in and out again, I'm going to that. It's right next to me. I've heard that. Uh, I've heard some tips on preaching. One, to make sure your mic works. We're getting there. Two, don't make the contributions sit for hours. It's God's word, not yours. Sorry, I time. Okay? I promise. Won't keep you here forever. Want to go to this one? Yep. I know we tried, buddy. Okay, so I also want to say, Dave, thank you, I, you know, you now appreciate the hard work that I do when I do the invocation. <laughs> this preaching stuff's a breeze, isn't it? <laughs> so kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, so today we're talking about forgiveness. I've been discussing it with a lot of people. Reading a lot of things. Scripture being one of them. Good, right? And I've noticed a lot of people focus on the idea that we need to forgive because when we hold anger, malice, frustration towards someone else, it clouds our relationship with God. We have trouble focusing and praying. And that is true. And that's a piece of what I'll be talking about. But it's not the key. Because we're talking about, that, for those of you who haven't been around, this is our Average Joe series. All of us have our Average Joe moments. and we're, it's, it's just the idea that when someone comes into the church, maybe they haven't heard the Word of God before. Maybe they, they just come in and we say something super theological and profound and they go, I don't get it. Well, and the question that I think an Average Joe may ask when it comes to forgiveness is, Who says I can't forgive if I'm not a Christian? Or who says I can't forgive if I'm of another faith? Especially the idea of focusing on that idea of clouding our relationship with God. Couldn't other religions say that? Couldn't other faiths say that? If you don't forgive, then you're clouded and you will not meditate. Clear your mind type thing. But what separates us as followers of Jesus when we forgive? And just to let everybody know, any visitors, um, I'm going through a lot of scripture today, kind of flipping around, and I'm sorry because I can't stand it when I can't keep up with the flipping, but that's just, forgiveness is so everywhere in scripture. You can follow along in the uh, little, the wireless, uh, the, the Bible app, um, and I think that we've, we've had instructions on how to log on to that, um, so go ahead and get to that, and you'll have the scriptures to go along with the message today. Some examples and some moments of forgiveness. Okay, here's one that's personal. Um, My dad, one time, he had to have a brain surgery. I don't know who knows that story, but my dad had a tumor removed from his his head. And it wasn't cancer, but I mean, it was still brain surgery. (laughs) You're still worried. Before he went in, he gave me, and I was, I think, 12 at the time. He gave me a solid gold crucifix necklace that his aunt brought to him from Italy, okay? And it meant the world to me. And one day, I went to the beach, and I was trying to do the good thing and not lose it. The thing hung on me real loose, and I thought it would float away, fall off in the waves, whatever, so I left it in the car. And I had a bunch of friends with me, and obviously this was some years later, because I was driving. You know, I've had it for a while by then. But we got in and out of the car. We're messing around. We're getting sand off us. You know how it all goes. Somewhere along the way, that crucifix necklace fell out of the car. I never found it again. And it was something that my dad trusted me with. But he taught me this awesome piece of forgiveness when he said, you know what, it's it's just a necklace. I'm not going to, you know not love you anymore. But he did make sure I knew I'm not trusting you with a gold necklace ever again. (laughs) But just know that I I still love you. Other examples. This could be anybody in the room. You're driving down the 210 freeway. There's those forgiveness moments that happen moment by moment. You're driving down the 210. Someone cuts you off. Do they signal? No, they would never think of signaling. And so you get cut off. You get frustrated and all you're thinking is... I'm going to get them back. I'm going to slam on the gas and get in front of that person and cut them off right back. You watch me. And it's just it just builds and builds and you just get so angry. And you you, know, you just want to do it right back. Look, I didn't signal. Yeah. So there's a daily occurrence. Getting a little bit bigger. I don't know if anybody heard this name. Morgan Usini. If you were paying attention to the Olympics, you heard her name a couple of times. She was an American runner for the 1,500 meter, okay? Americans have never meddled in that event, or at least it's been a very long time, and she was favored to at least medal. Now, a year ago in the Worlds, she had trained and trained and trained and was favored at that time to actually gold in the 1,500 meter. In the final run of the World Championship, she got tripped on the last lap. To put in perspective, those of you who don't follow sports a lot, that is a lot of painful training down the toilet. It hurts. One of my youth in here has actually been on the junior Olympic polo team. Jacob's in the back, so just, you got an athlete in here, if you want to ask what that's like to to lose after training forever, ask that kid right there, okay? But it's painful. And then in the Olympics, she gets her chance to redeem herself. It's the final round. Not sure if she's going to gold, but she sure as heck looks like she's going to meddle. They get to the final lap, and they're coming up on turn one. She's on the outside, fifth place. Everyone said she's in excellent position to sprint up to the front. And on the first lap, she's tripped and falls again. All she could do was cry. She never got off of the ground until the end of the race. And even then, reporters couldn't speak to her. She was just done. At some point, she will come to the understanding it was a sport. It hurts, but she'll move on. And then a final example that's another step even bigger to forgiveness that some people in this room may have felt is the kind of forgiveness that you can't seem to come to grips with for your entire lifetime. Or it would seem that way. A gentleman named Josh Aaron came and spoke to the youth group. And I wanted Josh to come here, but he couldn't work it out. But I, I was able to talk a little bit about what happened to him. At age 12, Josh was, was with his mom in his car, and he witnessed her get shot and killed. At 12 years old. And, and, she, and he was the one that tried to get her to the hospital and everything. And then he was the only eyewitness. So he at 13 had to go to the, to the stand on trial. And witness against the gentleman that killed her. They were found guilty. And they found the men that killed her. But you know what Josh is doing now? One of the two men, he is actually a disciple to and visits him in prison regularly and preaches the gospel to that man. He wants to hear about Jesus. The guy called Josh and said, I've figured out what I've done. I beg you to forgive me. Josh responded and he is now preaching to that. He he is now teaching that man the word of Christ. That's, That's a huge level of forgiveness. So those are the kinds of, I mean, the reason I mention all three of these is that gives us a big gambit, right? That gives us, everyone in here has experienced something in there, whether it's the, the real big ones or the day-to-day forgiveness. It's a message we need to hear. So turning to, a little bit to scripture, a little story in Genesis, You've pro- some of you have heard it, some of you have not. Jacob and Esau. Born two boys in Genesis 25 talks about their born twins. Okay. And this is a long story. It spans like four chapters, so I'm just breezing through the three and then going to the main point. So they're born brothers. One is described as hairy and red and manly and outdoorsy. That's Esau. And then there's Jacob who's born clean like, skin clean, not hairy, not manly. He stays at home, and he has favor with his mother. Esau has favor with his father, okay? And so they're, they're twins, but both very different, right? Now, at one point, Jacob is at home. He stays at home, and he's cooking. He does his thing. He's cooking. He's making stew. Esau's been out working hard, hunting and doing his thing. He comes home and goes, man, I'm hungry, okay? And Jacob goes, I got stew. But you have to give me a little something if you really want a bowl of stew. Really? <laughs> yeah, give me your birthright. That's all I want. Now, birthright is basically your rights towards the, like, the family inheritance and where you're at and born Okay, with the father. It's an it's a overarching lifelong gift that will affect you later in life. But Esau wasn't even thinking about that. He's not a thinker. He just knows he's hungry, and he just worked hard. Sure, take my birthright. Give me the stew. And he goes, "Oh, what did I just do? Okay? And then we move forward a little bit more. So there's that little moment that would be a little tough to forgive. And then towards the end of their father's life, Isaac. Isaac's about to die. And he said, now remember, Esau has the favor of Isaac okay, of the dad. And so the father says, Esau, go hunt me some game, because I know you know how to hunt, and come back with some tasty food for me, and then I'll give you your inheritance, which is big. Big time inheritance. And mom overheard this conversation, goes to Jacob and goes, we need to fool your father. I want you to have the family inheritance. So she puts a disguise on him, and Jacob totally agrees to do it. And they go, he goes in. Obviously, he's the better cook, and mom knows exactly how dad likes the food. And goes in and prepares a meal. He turns out giving the inheritance over to Jacob, deceived. And there's nothing he can do. He realizes that he's been fooled, and he can't do anything about it. That's the kind of thing that in that time affected their entire lives esau didn't have what he what he was entitled to as esau as the boy as the son in favor of the father so later jacob starts to realize the wrongs he's done and and life kind of kicks him down a few times and he comes to a realization of how wrong he was, and he starts sending flows of gifts to his brother because of he wants forgiveness. And when the first time, Esau decides to come back, okay, and he's going to come and see Jacob. All the scripture says is he gathered 400 men and went to see Jacob. Uh-oh. Right? So here he comes. I'm dead. I'm in trouble, Jacob is saying. I am, I am going to die. My brother's going to hurt me. And here's what happens. This is finally the text, 33, 1 through 12. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times and, he, and as he approached as he approached his brother but esau ran to meet jacob and embraced him he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept then esau looked up and saw the woman and the women and children who are these with you he asked they are the children of god, they, they are the children god has graciously given your servant jacob starts calling himself Esau's servant. That is how much forgiveness he wants. I am your servant. I have done you wrong. Please forgive me. I am your servant. Then the maidservants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, oh wait, let me see. Um, next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they bowed down as well. So the whole family bows before Esau. And Esau asked, what do you mean by all of these droves that I met? And what that is, is while Esau was coming to Jacob, droves of gifts, sheep, lamb, livestock, were coming to him from Jacob. Why did you send me all those gifts? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please. Please. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favorably, please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has chosen gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau did accept. Then Esau said, Let us be on our way. I will accompany you forgiveness and reconciling what what an incredible story and image someone that's been wronged by his own brother against his father who was dying on his deathbed he just forgives like that for esau knew that he had to forgive his brother but why why should we have to forgive i mean we see this great story of forgiveness in scripture matt but that still doesn't tell me why we as christians need to forgive it's a cute story, but give me more. The sword of forgiveness, it's not natural for us. We're broken. We're sinful. Regardless of where we're at in our relationship with God, we come to know we are in need of Christ. We are broken and sinful. And revenge, holding a grudge against someone, it stems from us wanting to control situations of relationships in our lives. More specifically, we want something called justice, what we think is justice. But the Lord Himself in Isaiah, in thirty twenty-eight of Isaiah, says, Let the Lord yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up and show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him the justice us wanting revenge us wanting us to cut that guy off that cut us off the the moment when we want to not talk to our sibling anymore because they've hurt us so badly us wanting to have that justice it's not our doing god is the ultimate judge he's the good judge let's let him do the job Paul was aware of this as well well in the New Testament. In Romans, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of for everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Then he takes it another step further, and this is where we just cringe when we want that justice. Paul moves on and says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him; if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will help, or you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So as followers of Jesus, we're not only called to forgive, we're called to love those that have wronged us. How challenging does that sound? Can we really practice that on a week-to-week, day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis? It's not easy. We should not take matters into our own hands. Revenge is not the response that we as Christians are called to. It might seem like that it would make us feel better. It makes sense to us most of the time, that whole eye for an eye thing. Hey, he punches me, I'm punching him back. Right? My dad, man, Italians, he punches you, you punch him back. That's, that's, what, my dad, that's what my dad used to teach me. But no. Let's have faith in the God that we trust. Let's have faith in that he is the good judge don't take these matters into your own hands pastor paul last week spoke on the idea of following christ denying yourself that was our theme last week was the denial of self taking everything you've got including feuds with others and lifting it up to the lord how about loving enemies How do we do that? You know, Jesus had a little something to say about this whole idea. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So Jesus is not only speaking of the idea of trusting in God with our feuds, but he also mentions to pray for those who persecute. And the reason I emphasize that is take a a quick step back. Think of that for a minute. Jesus saying to pray for those who persecute. If someone knew about being persecuted, it was Christ. Everywhere he went, he met persecution. So if Jesus can do that, why can't we forgive for things that happen in our lives, whether they're petty or they seem huge to us? Love your enemies. God will send the rain and the sun upon the evil and the good of the world, meaning God will let the sun shine and praise upon those who deserve it, the way that he sees fit. And he will rain darkness upon those that need it. We need to trust. And then there's that pinnacle moment in the Gospels. Jesus is upon the cross. He bears the sins of each and every single one of us here. Sinners to be and sinners that are. And there's two other men, both criminals. They were led out to be executed with Jesus. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him along with the criminals. One on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and casted lots while in complete and total pain and utter agony, knowing that he's bearing the sins of all mankind, he prays for those that are crucifying him, for those that are hurting against him, for those that are wronging him. And he feels more than just that immediate crucifixion. He's feeling the sins of all. He's saying, forgive. That's what sets us apart. That's what, that's right there. That's why Christians are set apart. We have a Christ that endured a mighty pain that came to us. God came to us and withstood the crucifixion so that we could once again be united with him in eternity. Whether it's the guy off on the freeway that cut you off, that daily drive to work, or maybe someone hurt you so bad that it's been defining who you are 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Or maybe it's that twin brother that stole everything from you and deceived your father on his deathbed into giving him your inheritance. Our forgiving of others is our calling as Christians as well as a required response to what Christ did on the cross. Colossians. You have, this is in your bulletin. So I want you to know that scripture, this scripture specifically is in your bulletin so that you can remember, reflect on it, look at it, read it this week. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you, any of you, has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That end of 13, that's where we focus. That's where we're focusing. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We've been given this opportunity for forgiveness So let's really embrace it by forgiving others in the same way. We're called to follow Christ. That's what sets us apart. That's what sets us apart. We are to forgive just as Christ did. Jesus begins to teach his disciples the Lord's Prayer. You've probably heard of it. Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses debts whoever you know as the you know forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors right right after that in Matthew 6:14 through 15 this is the scripture I've been wrestling with all week that we really need to look at For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh Uh-oh. What in the world? I thought Jesus is... Sacrifice was perfect upon the cross. I thought that I was forgiven by, forgive, by, by accepting him into my heart. Someone might walk into this room and go, Matt, I've heard all these sermons. Jesus is supposed to have this great sacrifice. Now I have to earn it by forgiving others that have wronged me so deeply. Are you serious? Yeah. In a way. Unless we're willing to forgive others, and unless we're glad to have this opportunity to extend, in some small degree, the mercy of forgiveness of ourselves, we are not really, truly repenting of our sins and honoring God. We're called to not only forgive Christ, but repent for what we have done wrong. We have to act. And if we truly come to a wholehearted understanding of what Christ did upon the cross, accepting and forgiving will happen. Forgiving others is hard. I understand that. But God's grace is sufficient to bring us to forgive anyone of anything. His grace is sufficient for all. These verses from Matthew and from Colossians, they're they're not they're, they're not pointing to the fact that we have to forgive to earn. What they're saying is, it's unthinkable that we can possibly enjoy God's forgiveness without extending our forgiveness towards other people. Once we have heard, understood, and seen what really happened to Jesus... It is unfathomable, unfathomable, that we could possibly hold a grudge against others. For we have been forgiven. We sin all the time, and yet we're forgiven. We're called to get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of frustration and malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's from Ephesians 4. We forgive because we've been forgiven in a perfect way. We forgive because we've been forgiven in an incredible way. We're a broken people that the Lord could have said, you know something? I gave you guys all this cool stuff. You have air, water, food, all this cool, perfect creation that I made And I was told to sneak this in a little bit into my sermon. I went to Ireland last week, and we have an amazing creation. You go to Yosemite, you go to the beach, you go to Ireland, you go to Italy, you go anywhere in this world. God is present in his creation. But we got all this, and God could have said, you know, you sinned. I'm just going to let you crash and burn. Seriously. But he didn't. Instead, he brought himself brought himself to the humble place of being man, coming as Christ. Esau's act of forgiveness towards his brother, Jacob, demonstrates a great example of forgiveness to us. So does my dad. By the way, parents, demonstrating forgiveness to your children is another very important reason to forgive others. We learned that last night in the film, if you weren't here, that our kids, other generations, even if we don't have children, they are watching our every move. And it disciples to others when we forgive. Josh accepted, or he, he forgave the guy that shot his mother. Not this Josh, not Josh, not, not Aniko's Nico's Josh. Not the Josh that works here, Josh Aaron. So remember, forgiving, I know it's not easy and not natural, but justice is not our job. Jesus is our ultimate illustration of forgiveness because we are forgiven, we forgive. Who can you forgive today? That's that's the question that you walk away with today. There's someone, there's something going on in your life Maybe it's that day-to-day, maybe it's the big one. Who can you forgive, not tomorrow, not later this week, today? Christ already took our punishment upon the cross. It's time for us to respond today. Who can you forgive? How can you take a step in forgiveness? Go out and forgive others not by just saying, I forgive you, but in a way that reflects the sacrifice, the forgiveness that Christ has shown us. Let's pray. Jesus, loving God, we thank you for your forgiveness, God. Your awesome, amazing, and perfect forgiveness, Lord. God, I ask you, take this moment, Lord, I'm going to have a moment of silence where I want to give everyone in this room an opportunity to forgive someone or to start praying to you about that forgiveness of someone, Lord. We lift these up to you now. we thank you. Hold our hearts and keep us in your presence forever and always. Amen.